It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. Now, before we get started today, I just wanted to put out an important call. The Dublin Rape Crisis Centre is seeking volunteers to train as telephone counsellors to staff its 24-hour national free phone helpline outside office hours and to support those attending the sexual assault treatment unit at the Rotunda Hospital. No previous experience or training in this field is required as full training and ongoing mentoring is provided. Applicants must be a minimum of 25 years old and reside in the 01 telephone area. For further information, contact Dublin Rape Crisis Centre at 01 661 4911 or email volunteerservices at rcc.ie. Closing date for applications is Friday, February 15th. Go for it. Now, today I am speaking to two women with no previous political experience who have decided to run in the upcoming local elections in May. Ellie Kisayambe has been on our podcast before. She's a Malawian woman who has been living in direct provision for nearly nine years now. Ellie has worked with the Irish Refugee Council, co-founding Our Table in 2015, as a response to the ban on asylum seekers cooking for themselves and in order to give an outlet to her passion for food and cooking. In May, Ellie will run as a candidate in the local elections for the Social Democrats in Dublin North Inner City. Also running in that same constituency is Ballybock woman Carol Deans, who decided in her 40s to go back to education, gaining a spot on the Trinity Access programme and going on to study for a degree in world religions and theology. Ellie, Carol, you're both very welcome to the Women's Podcast. Ellie, you are a first-time election candidate. Mm -hmm. Why are you running? I'm running from LOE19, which is a Dublin inner city. So it's from Phoenix Park coming towards Smithfield, Stony Butter, up to Most Ridge and Parnell Street, right? Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, is that a good description, yeah. Carol? Because you are also running uh, in that same yeah. area. Well, I think the area is big enough for us the all to run. The area is big enough, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. us to run. It's yeah. quite a big area. It goes right from area, the docks yeah. up mm-hmm. to the Phoenix yeah, Park. Yeah, exactly. And Carol, you're both running for the Social Democrats, so you are, yeah. you are actually rivals. Yeah. We're opponents, but <laughs> no, we're friends. No, so. we are opponents, but we are friends, you know. <laughs> Carol, why the Social Democrats? I just, I always agreed with their policies and they're just way more for the, the working class person and you you always felt like you had a voice with them. You know, I just find that sometimes a lot of the other older parties, it's very elitist and the normal Joe Soap that might be reliant on welfare or someone that's working class, it, there's no nothing there for them. There's no voice. There's no reality in the choices that are made. So, so like what us. in particular about the so Is there one thing with the Social Democrats that you found sort of magnetic? There's too many to even put into Just one. give me one. I, I think their attitude towards uh, child poverty is a huge thing for me. That's That would be my main thing, education and child poverty. 
Great. Ellie, what about you? What is it about the Social Democrats that, that attracted you? Uh, it's, it's, it's a party that, uh, I can describe it, the party that understands the reality of the people that are in a vulnerable position. Like for me, I worked hand in hand with Councillor Gary Gannon and I think the way he handled the Magdalene laundry situation, for me that was brilliant. Gary so, is in the same, he's, he's, in the, he's, 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 he's yeah, also in the in a Social Democrats. North inner city. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and not Council. only that, you know, after looking, uh, after knowing many people in the in the party and the way they responded to issues about direct provision, I felt like somebody uh, somebody is listening. And uh, if I could uh, be involved in their party, I could be one of the first that can actually maybe bring a policy into their party. So I felt like there was a connection there. Well, Ellie, direct provision is yeah. a huge area mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. So what briefly brought you into that? What why has that become your your um, one of one of your your uh, policies? Uh, it's because when I moved over here, I moved here as an asylum seeker. In so 2010. I, yeah. So I found myself uh, in direct provision. And not only that, I'm also coming from the minority, which is a migrant background here in Ireland. And it, as you can see at the moment, from the, tw- from the time that I arrived here almost a decade ago, things have quite changed. So now a numbers of migrants are coming into the country and direct provision, it's also a big issue in, in, in this country. So... It, uh, we're at the stage whereby policies needs to be made and even, you know, we have to be able to sit on the table and being able to contribute to these factors because we are growing and we'll live here, our generations to generations, they'll live here. So if there'll be no us around the table, then it's not about us. So we have to be there because I also feel like our story does not told the way they should be told. They're told differently. So if I can be able to go th- this way, I think I'll be able to say, no, 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 guys. I think if you can put things like this way, that means you're understanding us. Because I think to be heard in life, it's mm. more important. Ellie, nine years on, you're still in direct provision. Yeah. Is that correct? I am. I am. With your twins who joined yes. you from Malawi. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And why is that? I'm not even sure. And that's the system. And or what I can do is just to sit and wait. Yeah. You were in a volunteering position with the Irish Refugee Council because you're not allowed to work, yes, I think. Yes, I did. Um, but you co-founded Our Table. Just yes. tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, so Our Table was inspired by that. When you're an asylum seeker here, you're not allowed to work. And also there was a need to highlight direct provision. As being uh, as I've been involved with Irish Refugee Council campaigning, my campaign was cutting placards and, you know, going, talking about stories. And you have to understand that the stories that refugees carries, they are very, very traumatizing. So, you know, there is always a, a, a part which needs to, be, to soften these stories. So the part of softening the stories was to bring something that's unique and also being in direct provision, not being able to cook, not being able to even see many women passing skills to their own children. That also affected me. It took five years for me even to cook for myself. And you can even understand like cooking is a huge part of a woman and that was taken from me. And, you know, through that, uh, when I met Michelle Damode, uh, who is a businesswoman uh, in Dublin and she came, she wanted to do something because also she's a foodie person. So I told her, you know, I'm coming from a foodie person and, you know, like food is everything. Food can cure you, mental health, can create relationships. And you can even actually see how food has contributed myself connected to the Irish society. It has done brilliantly. So food, it's unique. There is no power too than food. Yeah. You did a course in Ballymaloo, is that correct? Yes, I did. <laughs> And how did that come about? 
Uh, so when we first co-founded our table, we were cooking in small kitchens around Dublin. And then from there, we set up a pop-up cafe in Project Art Center. And from there, while we set up a Project Art uh, in, 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 a, in a Project Art, Darina Allen knew me through through then. And she spoke also about direct provision. As somebody who is a foodie too, she felt like, uh, I think it's just not right to not allow people to give them a basic tool of being able to cook. Yeah, Carol? Was the referendum an inspiration for you or how did this, how did your candidacy come about? Um, the referendum wasn't the, the only inspiration. I suppose what really inspired me was becoming part of the Social Democrats through college. And I just kind of attended a few meetings and I'd always known Gary and his family from both of us being from the inner city most of our lives. Um, and I really admired the work that he'd done and, and the position. I thought he was very courageous, but I just never kind of thought that I would actually go into politics. I remember I did the access programme through Trinity College and I remember at the graduation, he we were talking about what degree I wanted to do and I said uh, I was going to do world religions and theology and classical civilizations. And he says, do you ever think about going into politics? I said, no. And he says, which is a kind of a very odd connection to make. Because yeah, I wouldn't have thought somebody doing world religions and and yeah. theology would want to go. Would would immediately See, think of politics. Religion and politics are the the two. <laughs> most, You're not meant to talk about it at the dinner table. Subjects, <laughs> but I think that they they go hand in hand. And I think at the moment we're actually doing world Christianities, and a lot of it is African Christianities and all the different to Indian Christianities, and it just gives you a wider perspective on other cultures, other people. And I just think, even though essentially we are on the card on the day of polling opponents, I think it's going to be really good if both of us get a seat because the diversity between us and the different mm-hmm. things we want to work mm-hmm. on, it's going to be amazing for the party especially. What year are you in in Trinity now? I'm in the second year of my degree. And how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. It's stressful. <laughs> it, like, I left school because when I was 14, yes. so... like. To go to Trinity College, I'm holding me on. I'm not an A student by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm holding me on and I'm, I'm actually very proud of myself. You left school at 14 and you went to college. What age were you when you started in Trinity? Um, I think I was 41. Having reared three children and well, also having some nine. grandchildren. Yes. Yeah. Your youngest is nine. My youngest is nine, yeah. And you, and you also have grandchildren. And I have three grandchildren. Right, so you're a very busy woman. I am. <laughs> And you are still making space to do your studies, to rear your children. Yeah. And and actually take all the pressure that comes yeah. with going to college a as a mature mess. student. Now I know why academics have untidy spaces. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. And they do. And, and Ellie, what about you? Your, your twins are here and I presume they're taking up a lot of your time as well. I would not be yeah. asking men these yeah. questions or actually we will be asking men these questions. But yeah. nonetheless, um, you're, you are a single parent, I yes. gather. yeah. Yeah. And how is that going? Uh, I'm, I'm managing. I'm a workaholic, so I think I'm managing both brilliantly well. You know, I'm, I'm almost uh, full-time in the kitchen, which I do seven days, mostly in the kitchen. And I'm also uh, do seven days on public uh, events, spe- speech, talking, interviews like this, and also just going to attend matters because uh, I think I've grown in a way whereby I get like so much in a day, like somebody would just call me from another direct provision to Barrier or not even on indirect provision, even some migrants, they just want to find out about something. And, you know, like I also have to find people that they I can I, I can link in to help the situation. So I think I'm really mind, I'm, I'm minding it really well. And, uh, but cooking is a huge part of my life that 
it actually uh, helps me to function really well. People feel like I overdo it, but when I'm in a kitchen, I'm in a space whereby I connect to everything, nature, you know, love. So in an ideal world, Ellie, would you, would you be running your own restaurant, for example? If you could, would you be? Yeah, so I'm running a pop-up as that as is at the moment. So yes. I do a lot of events around the country, even uh, in, here in Dublin. I'm one of the main suppliers in DCU, in uh, UCD. And, you know, I also supply for other conferences, which are big. My supplies has been from 1 to 100 and 200 people on an event. So I do so private explain events. Explain this to me. Uh, you're, you're in direct provision. You're not allowed yeah. to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yet you're taking on these quite large contracts. Yeah, so I I'm, I'm, I don't earn anything, right? I'm running all this as a volunteer, but the people that I employ, they're actually earning. So, like, I'm taking this contract and I employ people, over 15 people, and they, they are getting paid. So, <laughs> so I'm putting all this energy by making sure that other people are integrating and are also socially co- uh, contribute to the economy. It's an extraordinary story, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, a lot of people, your name would not have been familiar to them mm-hmm. um, until quite recently when a certain tweet appeared. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. I think it actually done me a big favour because, you know, like I got about 2,000 followers. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just and, tell uh, us what it said. Uh, so it said, how can a, um, a Catherine, uh, Catherine Maffey run a Malawian uh, in Dublin City? I think that was meaning that me as a Malawian, how would I stand as a local councillor in a, in, a, in, a, in a Dublin city? Because I, I felt like it, it feels like people doesn't know me. But then our Dublin, is, it's a such diverse district, you know, and like where we're running, it's all migrants. So and there I was like really surprised that what is it talked about? You know, so, yeah. This so person anyway, doesn't know your territory in North Doesn't I think even they didn't know me, but I think after that, they know me that I'm a very, very well-liked Irish migrant woman. And Ellie, the, the response <laughs> actually turned the tweet in its head. It was a reverse. It? it was a U10. <laughs> it really was, because everybody said, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it, was a, yes. it was a U10. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that I think this person didn't see a roundabout in front of them, but then... <laughs> It was a quick one. It certainly <laughs> didn't. Learned. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carol, when you mm. find yourself in, uh, on, on, the, on the city council, how do you imagine you will be discussing things? Your fir- what, what would your first issue be, for example, that you can come up with? You're talking about child poverty, but on a yeah. day-to-day basis. On a day-to-day basis, I think education is the first thing that needs to be addressed. There are a certain form of educator in DESH schools who still have a very discriminatory view of children coming from a poorer background. And I have um, stories and people contacting me about school uniforms being over expensive and people being children's coats being taken off them because they didn't have the crest on the uniform and all of this kind of stuff, this poverty. I don't think people realise the extent of the poverty. A lot of times there are families where I grew up, they have to make a decision whether they buy heating for the house or most people would be on metres or whether they buy food and then schools putting this huge pressure on them to do with the jackets that children wear or the colour of their shoes. I think that all has to be addressed and it has to be stopped and I think that a seat in the council will give me a voice at least to let the people be heard and to just bring in new protocol and new measures that we can help people in poverty. And I think the only way out of poverty is education. And if children are being so discouraged at a young age, 
they're never going to want to go on to third level, especially if they come from a family that have never gone to university or anything like that. So my aim would be to get them young, start young, work within the skills, very similar to what Gary is doing, but to extend on the work he's doing and get the children into university because you know yourself, a little boy or your young girl of a certain age, they deliver a parcel for maybe a criminal down the road and they get used to a certain standard of money, a certain, a certain standard of car they might want to buy and they're never going to go down the education route by then. So if we can get them when they're very, very young and get that mindset changed, I think we could do amazing things. Yeah. Um, Ellie, when you get on the County Council, mm-hmm. which we sincerely hope you will too, mm-hmm. uh, what do you see yourself? You would still be in direct provision by the sound of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, that will be I mean, odd. I mean, I mean, for me... They'll have to pay you, I presume. For, for me, I am going to the council. I've, I've, and I'm not even thinking about the pay. You know, I've done our table work brilliantly and I'm happy to invite anyone to come and check because maybe sometimes people feel like I'm just, you know, like I'm just making up stories. But I'm a woman who delivers in whatever scenario. From where I'm coming from, there, there was soci- there's no social welfare. There was nothing. People have to work hard for lives and that's what I'm doing. So if I'm going to go to the council, as long as I get the office, as long as I can represent the people, if I cycle, I'll cycle. If I walk, I'll walk. Whatever means for me to go there so I can represent the people and actually I can change things here in Ireland and contribute a lot because I'm running Stony Butter. Stony Butter it's a business area and a lot of migrants they want to set up their businesses and I'm going to be one of the people that I want to make Stony Butter as a city that people they have to start coming to Stony Butter and see what migrant communities are creating there and also the new communities and the people in the society so I'm going to deliver and I'm up for the game. So Everybody go and see Ellie and Stony Butter. <laughs> Carol one last thing. To women listening to this who left school at 14 or 15 or even 17 um, and who wouldn't in a million years think they would be going to Trinity College, what do you say to them? I think anything is possible. I was never very academically minded in school. I just wanted to be a hairdresser. That was it. And I did that. I accomplished that and I loved the job. It's great. But I just think there's so much involvement in these universities so much help out there to encourage you you can do it anybody can do it there is so much help it's it's, the help is there the the lecturers are absolutely amazing and even your socio-economic background is no barrier because the students a lot of the very privileged students would be some of my best friends in school and even the younger ones and they're just amazing they're always there to help it's really encouraging well look two inspirational women Soon to be city councillors, we hope. <laughs> and who will also ca- canonise councillor Gary Gannon by the sound of things in the process. <laughs> Ellie and Carol, thank you so much for coming into the thank Women's you Podcast. Thank you for having us. That's all we have time for today. Thanks to Ellie Kisayambi and Carol Deans for speaking to the Women's Podcast. And good luck to them. Remember, you can subscribe to the Women's Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps. And you can always find us on irishtimes.com. Today's podcast was produced by Roisin Ingle and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. I'm Cathy Sheridan and until next time, thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 